Hey, it's Stephen Henderson. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about property taxes in the city of Detroit. Mayor Mike Duggan thinks he has a solution to the high taxes that Detroiters pay. He wants to tax houses differently than vacant land, but he's run into some opposition on the Detroit City Council and in Lansing. We'll talk with Gabriela Santiago Romero, who's a Detroit City Councilwoman who has some reservations about the split tax plan. And then we'll talk more generally about property taxes and reform in the city. Alex Alsup, who's Vice President of Research and Development at Regrid, a property data company, will join for that conversation. Councilmember Gabriela Santiago Romero, it is great to have you back here on Detroit Today. Welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we get to uh, your position on the land value tax, what you're thinking about it and why you're asking people to just wait a little bit at least before we go ahead with this, I want to have you talk a little about what you make of Detroit's property tax system. What do you think we should be thinking about uh, in terms of change and reform with property taxes. Yes, thanks Stephen for having me in. It's a huge problem. We are seeing residents leave the city due to the high tax rates and the lack of adequate services for what we're paying. I remember running after neighbors before I got elected when I was running for office telling them, wait, 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 you know, don't fill up your U-Haul just yet. I'm working really hard to make sure that we're getting better services and for relief for residents. And, and really, that's what we're asking for. We're asking for relief. Residents pay way too high taxes compared to any one of our suburbs. And quite frankly, I'm happy that we're having this discussion, but I think we should really broaden it up. There are other, there are other options. There are other ways of doing this. I was on your show, I believe, when you were asking me about my policy priorities, and I mentioned the split rate tax of the idea. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good idea. It's one thing to think it's a good idea. It's another thing if it actually works. And I think that's where we're at right now. We need to figure out if this will actually work. Yeah. So so let's talk about the mayor's proposal, what you think it would do, and why you're asking people to to delay final judgment on this, this idea. I'm asking for delay because I do not agree on having this on the ballot on February. I believe in proper process. I believe in democracy. And quite frankly, not enough of us are voting on primaries. That means that there's going to be a lot of people whose voices are not going to be included in this process. And that is something that I do not agree with. So I'm happier now that it's going to be in November. So we should stop right there and explain what what Mm. that means. So after the state legislature Mm -hmm. would uh, say it's okay to to do this, and it would be statewide that uh, cities could decide to tax this way, uh, Detroiters would still have to decide to do it here in the city of Detroit, and we'd have to do that by vote. The current proposal, as I understand it, would have us voting when we have a primary election next year in February. And as you point out, uh, not as many people show up for that election as they do for a general election. What you would like to have done is to push that to November of 2024, which is not just an election, a regular election, but it's a presidential election, and it tends to be the time when more people actually show up. Correct, and still not enough. Not enough, right? (laughs) Still not enough, those of us that look at uh, our, our voting rates here in the city, but it is more, and quite frankly, I think it allows us time to dive deeper into this idea, figure out if we have other solutions. There are other things like an entertainment tax that could bring us more revenue. 
Uh, if you really want to get radical, we could ask the state to do a graduated income tax where everyone is paying their fair share and would alleviate uh, this 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 pain from that, that residents are currently going through trying to pay their property taxes at the rate that we're paying them right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I said in the open, we've been talking about this for a really long time in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And let's let's be clear, Mayor Mike Duggan has actually enacted a few things that have tried to give Detroiters tax relief over uh, over his time uh, in office. Why do you think this particular proposal has his attention now instead of some of the other things that you just mentioned that, that would also make it better for Detroiters? I think a lot of us have been asking for this, myself included. Mm-hmm. We have been asking to let's look at this. Let's see if this would work. Let's try it out. Because in theory, it makes sense that you would lower property taxes for homeowners and then put that amounts that you amount of millages that that we're lowering into vacant lands. That would make sense conceptually. But again, how does that actually work in in action? That's what I need us to figure out during this time. And quite frankly, there's still a lot of distrust and a lot of pain that people are feeling right now when it comes to their current property taxes. Just the other week, member Johnson believes, she mentioned it at the table, that she believes she's currently being overtaxed. So I think we still have a lot of work to do. People need to make sure that they're not being overtaxed, first of all. And if they're not, then what would it look like if we actually implement an LVT? How would that lower your taxes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm talking with Detroit City Council member Gabriela Santiago Romero. Uh, She represents District 6 here in the city. Uh, We're talking about Mayor Mike Duggan's proposal for a split rate tax in Detroit that would tax uh, property that has homes on it differently than property that has nothing on it. Uh, it would also uh, change uh, the way that we tax blighted property in the in the city of Detroit. The idea behind the mayor's proposal is to, number one, give a lot of Detroiters tax relief, but also put some pressure on people who are just kind of sitting on a lot of parcels, empty land, waiting for the opportunity to develop it or to sell it, uh, we call those people speculators, uh, it, it would put some pressure on them to make a decision and stop sitting on uh, all of those properties. At least that's what the mayor's argument is. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, during the conversation as well. What do you make of the overall property tax environment in the city of Detroit? But what do you make of this idea to implement a split rate tax? Is that something that you think would give Detroiters tax relief? Uh, would it help with land use, which is a huge problem in the city. If you think of all these empty swaths of land, many of them owned by private individuals, uh, would this uh, give them enough incentive to do something with that land? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we can try to include you in the conversation that way. I want to go first to Russ in Detroit. Uh, Russ is in the car driving to Lansing right now. Russ, yes. what's on your mind? With my phone strapped to my seat belt, so my hands are on the wheel. <laughs> that's right. I was going to say, don't okay. but don't be yeah, having uh, that phone in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Got that. And um, I, I, I'd like to uh, let, let you know that the bill was amended uh, for so that the uh, it will not be on the February ballot. It'll be on the November 2024 ballot. So okay. it'll be about 13 months from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, 
you know, the fundamental faults of the bill are that it does massive tax increases on uh, legitimate businesses and uh, large parcels. The mayor said in this September 2018 uh, meeting uh, of District 2 that uh, he wants more large parcels of land, 25 to 50 acres was the number he spe- spe- uh, spelled out. And he's now in, uh, proposing to do a implementation of lar- on large parcels of land owned by uh, scrap yards, parking lots, and so forth. And, uh, you know, that's what he's proposing violates Article 9, Section 3 of the Michigan Constitution, very dramatically violates it in two counts. Uh, The Constitution says that you cannot uh, apply uneven policies. Everything, there's a uniformity clause that says you have to apply it uniformly across all parties. And secondly, it has to be based on actual cash value of the property and uh, the, the other part of his bill is that he intends to double the taxes on all parcels. Now he's yeah. saying the tax cut comes from the tax on the structures, not on the land. Right. But he's doing all the land, he's doubling it. Well, that violates the cash value standard of the Constitution yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, Russ, and, Russ uh, I so, really appreciate you calling in and making those points. Uh, those are important points to think about here and I've heard some other folks Raise them. Uh, Gabriella, do you feel comfortable addressing those and, and talking about why why you still support the, the, this proposal? I've heard of these concerns and they're valid. And from what I know is that, again, the notion of making sure that we are being property ta- properly taxed so that we know what the value of our home is, so mm-hmm. that we do know if we do cut the millages that it is at the right rates. And the proposal will cut property taxes for all property owners. So I, I do believe that the city is trying their very best to work with the constitution, do things lawfully. And that's, that's, that's what we've been, that's what we've been hearing for the administration. Yeah. So, so this idea that uh, people who have large parcels, uh, people who have tow lots, for instance, or parking lots, mm-hmm. which is another controversial subject, mm-hmm. especially in downtown Detroit would, would pay more. Is that a is that a negative? Uh, is that something that would adversely affect legitimate businesses that are paying taxes in other ways uh, into the city treasury? I'm I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to parking lots, big swaths of land that aren't developed or that are being used that could be used in other ways, paying more taxes, as long as that brings relief to our residents, to our property owners. I fully support that. Yeah. Uh, Russ also said that the bill has been amended to move this vote to November. Does that satisfy your your objection to the, the form of it at this point? It does. It gives me it does give me more time to look at it, to deliberate, to talk with my residents, to hear more of these concerns and to make sure that we're all educated on what this proposal is. Yeah. You know, I I feel like when I am talking to people about this, there's almost a a basic vocabulary that not everybody Mm -hmm. has about this. It's a complicated proposal. Do you think the mayor and the administration have done enough to educate Detroiters about what's happening here in order to even ask them? 
to to vote on this one way or another. Not at the moment, no, which is why I was opposed to having this done so quickly. Quite frankly, I know that they're working on a calculator that would allow residents to put in their property taxes currently and to calculate what it would look like if we were to implement a land value tax. And I agree, not having enough discussions, our office, along with Member Johnson's office, is going to have a Zoom meeting this Thursday uh, 4 to 5.30. We can share the information on all on our social media accounts. Um, but we're going to bring in folks from the Citizens Research Council and someone from the Extension Center of Local Government and Finance and Policy at MSU to talk about just this because we need more conversations. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Councilwoman Gabriela Santiago Romero, it's always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks yeah. for having me. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about land and taxes in the city of Detroit. We're going to talk with data expert Alex Alsup, who has been following this issue for an awful long time. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. have been talking about property taxes here in the city of Detroit, an issue that has troubled the city for an awful long time, an issue that we talk about an awful lot here on the show. We were talking uh, in the last segment about the land value tax, the proposal from Mayor Mike Duggan to pretty radically change the way we tax land and houses in the city of Detroit and why some city council members uh, are not in favor uh, right now of, of that proposal. We want to continue the conversation and pull the lens back just a little bit and talk a little more broadly about our problems with property taxes in the city of Detroit and what some of the solutions are. And we've got a really great guest here to do it. Alex Alsup is the vice president of research and development at Regrid, which is a property data company. He blogs on his Substack, the chargeback about property tax foreclosure and Detroit housing issues. And he recently wrote a column in the Detroit Free Press, which was titled Property Tax Burden Falls on Owners of Occupied Homes in Good Condition. Alex, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. Uh, it's, I, I should also say up front, uh, Alex is, in my opinion, one of the foremost experts uh, on tax and tax policy here in Detroit, has worked really hard uh, over the years to help reduce the amount of tax foreclosure that we experience uh, in Detroit, and is someone who, when I have questions about tax policy <laughs> or about foreclosure, is top of my list uh, to call. So it's it's really great to have him here uh, to talk about this. So uh, before we get to this land value tax uh, proposal, I, I do want to talk about what uh, you you wrote in the free press, uh, you're saying that Detroiters are paying speculators' property taxes. This is a very provocative <laughs> idea that that mm -hmm. people who don't have an awful lot of money um, are carrying the weight, really, of folks who have money but aren't being asked to do their part. A explain what you mean by that. Yeah, I, th I think you used exactly the right word there, Stephen, which is that they're carrying the weight. You know, the the way that property is taxed can feel like an immutable law of nature, but it's not. It's a system that's the product of decisions that people made. And the way that property is taxed in Detroit, in Michigan, and in much of the country puts the weight of taxation on improved properties, which means 
properties with structures on them in good used condition. Um, and and a, a corollary of that is that properties that are disu- disused, vacant homes, vacant structures, vacant land, benefit from lower taxation. And those properties all receive the same services, but they pay different amounts for those different relative amounts for those services, right? When a vacant home catches on fire, the Detroit Fire Department still comes to put it out. But the owner of that vacant home is paying a smaller share of the bill than the occupied homes that may be on either side Mm -hmm. of that burning vacant home. Yeah, yeah. And and talk about why why that's true. I mean, I some of the problems that we have in Detroit with property tax are about the tax structure itself. I feel like other problems are about um things that aren't necessarily related to taxes themselves. So for instance, the the, the mass population loss that we've experienced or uh, the deep poverty that set in as a part as part of that population loss. I think they cause us some problems with property taxes. Well, what would you say is the root of this inequality really that you're pointing out in terms of who's paying the freight uh, in the city? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just the way that, that, that the property tax system is structured. Um, so this is a structural problem. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, talk about how, in your estimation then, this land value tax, which you say in the piece that you're, you're for, talk about how it, will, how it will do that differently and what kind of relief you think it would bring to homeowners. Sure. Um, so, you know, Part, part of it is that distortionary effect that I mentioned. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of theory um, behind land value tax. Um, I, I, I really don't come to the land value tax concept from the, the theory down. It's, it's much more the vacant lots and vacant structures up is th- that I, I've come to the, the land value tax um, through. Um, and, and namely my experience with tax foreclosure auctions. Um, you know the the what I've witnessed. I think what what many people have witnessed over you know the last fifteen years. You know, fortunately, the last couple of years we've seen much smaller, much diminished um, tax foreclosure auctions. But certainly, you know, twenty ten to twenty nineteen or so, there are these massive waves of tax foreclosure auctions, and we saw tens of thousands of Detroit properties purchased by people who. Um, in, in many cases, had no intention of ever doing anything with those properties. I think that the mayor uses the, the, the idea of a, a lottery ticket well. Mm. Um, vacant lots, vacant structures um, that people just sit on um, and, and hold in the path of uh, what they think could someday be development because the property taxes are so low um, that they're, uh, they're able to, to hold that property indefinitely. If you look East of Eastern Market, for instance, mm-hmm. um, you'll find speculators out there who own hundreds of vacant lots uh, that have been purchased through tax foreclosure auctions, and it's incredibly inexpensive for them to sit on that land forever. Um, it's it's you know it's they're paying thirty forty dollars a year per vacant lot um, uh, in property taxes per year. Um, they don't need to know that development is coming. Uh, they can just look geographically and say, well, if development ever 
expands for Eastern Market, they're going to have to go through me. And they can extract at that point whatever they want from uh, from the market um, for that land to be put back into uh, productive use. And I think, you know, some people might, I think, very correctly be hearing something that sounds contradictory here, which is we have the highest property taxes in the country, but then also speculators can sit on land forever because the taxes are so low, right. you know, and, and, and this again comes back to this distortionary effect. There are two ingredients in a tax bill put very simply. There's the property tax rate, and then there's the taxable value mm-hmm. of the property. You mm-hmm. multiply the tax rate by the taxable value. Our tax rate is very high. If you have an occupied home, a commercial property that's in productive use, industrial property, you're also going to have a fairly high taxable value. Mm -hmm. And that high millage rate, that high property tax rate, multiplied by your relatively high taxable value is going to produce a pretty high property tax bill. On the other hand, if you have a vacant lot, a vacant and dilapidated home, your taxable value is very low because you are rewarded in this system for uh, not improving your property. And so that millage rate, even though it's high, when multiplied by a very low taxable value, is going to produce a very small tax bill. And that's how you get this, again, wildly distortionary environment where it is simultaneously true that homeowners and um, owners of property that is in productive use have some of the highest tax bills in the country and speculators and owners of you know disused uh, land and property have incredibly low property taxes that they can continue to pay indefinitely very easily yeah so, so I and I think in in policy terms all of that makes sense right so you would change the way that you tax these other parcels that are not homes or businesses are not developed. But and I've I've asked the same question of some of the folks in the mayor's administration. I think there's always an important gap between policy and behavior, mm-hmm. right? So if I if I change the rules uh, so that uh, some one one group of people has to do something different than they were doing before, I always figured uh, their their first instinct is going to be to try to figure out how not to do it. Right, right. Uh, so you raise my taxes on my vacant land in Detroit, say I've got to pay double or three times or whatever it was before. I, I, why wouldn't I just say no? And what would be the consequences of me saying no? I mean, one of the things that the mayor is saying here is that this will increase revenues so that uh, – people who are homeowners can pay less, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He's not looking to lower the overall yield from property taxes. But that relies on these people who own these lots uh, paying what he's asking them to pay. And I guess I'm not convinced that that will happen. Tell me me why I should be. No, great, great, great question. Um, So a couple of things here. So if you, you know, if you are reducing the... um, weight in a property tax bill that comes from an improvement on a property. So currently right now in in, in Detroit, about 96% of a property's assessed value comes from the structure on that property in the case of um, 
residential properties. So, you know, this this proposal would reduce the weight of the improvement and increase the weight of uh, the land. So how might that, you know, um, impact the behavior of owners of vacant land, vacant lots, vacant structures, things like that? Um, I think there are a couple of couple of possibilities. So one is uh, that another fact of the environment right now is that the market values of properties are increasing. In 2015, if you had done this, might you see a lot more people just, as you said, sort of say like, I'm just not going to pay that and walk away? Perhaps because market values were really low. The market was very distressed. Um, but we're in a different environment today as market values are coming up there is more reason for an owner of land to say i don't want to just walk away from this mm -hmm. it if if the taxes go up it may um, provide an impetus to do something productive with that land because you need to get more of a return off of what you're holding um, but you also don't want to just walk away and let it go into tax foreclosure like you might have done in 2012 or 2013 or 2014 um, because there is real uh, value because you're walking away from some value exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, if for instance you did get more revenue from uh, from these parcels and people held them uh, do you think this would incentivize development on those properties because that's the other thing that the mayor is talking about it's not just more revenue from the people who hold these properties it's also getting them to stop speculating so mm -hmm. to speak stop just kind of sitting and uh, and waiting does does this uh, affect the market for development and investment on these properties in a way that we would see movement uh, that that would that would also raise tax revenues yeah I think you know one one distinction that I might make here is there there are obviously revenue implications here but at least to me I see this first and foremost as a land use issue and a and a land use um solution. Yeah. Okay. I think it will have revenue implications as well. I think that those revenue implications can be positive um but but I see it as a I, I might frame it as a as a land use as a solution for a land use problem with revenue implications. And um, to me, I think if you look downtown, surface parking lots yes. are a great example, yes. right? People love to be upset about parking right. lots. Yeah. Right. You watch the lions and, you know, they have the blimp <laughs> shot from overhead and it's just like, oh, it's just a sea of surface parking lots. You know, th those I think would be prime examples of land that, would absolutely be more productively used, increasing density, providing additional housing, um, you know, commercial storefronts and activity. Of course, uh, you know that that would be a very productive thing to see. Is 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 if those property taxes go up and suddenly it's not as profitable to just collect, you know, parking mm -hmm. um, revenue when Taylor Swift is at Board Field, right? Then. It would be great to see that land put to more productive use. Um, if you're talking about vacant lots, you know, in in far flung corners of the city, we'll see. I I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if the increase that the land value tax is um, proposing right now would be enough if you own one, two, three, four vacant lots. Mm -hmm. And I should be clear here. I'm I'm talking about. 
outside the city speculators owning this land. There are exemptions and credits built into the system for owners of side lots yes. who are Detroit homeowners. Yes, they 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 are protected from these um, these increases. But if you're talking about speculators who own a handful of lots, you know, even if you're doubling their property taxes, it's still not that big of a dollar increase for them. Um, they they may just continue to hold that land and pay for it. Mm-hmm. But there are people who have portfolios of hundreds of vacant parcels. If you double the taxes on them, that's probably going to you know, make them feel a little bit more pressure to do something productive. You look out at the old um, uh, Far East Side development north of uh, Jefferson by Gross Point. Um, again, those, those parcels just east of Eastern Market. Um, Hans Farms area, right? These are all very large portfolios of vacant lots that currently benefit from very low property taxes. Um, and if and if that's you know doubled or more than doubled, maybe there is some more pressure to do something productive with that land. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I have one more question about this, and then we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back to the many many callers who want to participate uh, in the conversation. I have long been an advocate of the idea that the property tax is broken here in Detroit. Uh, I hinted at that earlier, uh, that that it, it creates incredible problems at the bottom end of the economic scale and just as many problems really is at, at the top end of the economic scale. And for all of that trouble, it only yields about $180 million right. a year. It is, I think, the third uh, largest source of revenue for the city. Most cities, where if you were to look at their their budgets, uh, property tax would be on the top line. It's it's how you make your money. Uh, if you eliminated the city's share of the property tax, uh, obviously you'd have to fill that hundred eighty million dollars in revenue somehow. I think there are some creative ways to do it, but I do think that it would it would solve. All of these problems in one fell swoop. Uh, the land value tax, certainly, as you point out, is solving certain problems that we have, but we'd still have these others that I think would confound even the effectiveness of of the split rate tax. So, so I, I want to talk about whether this kind of incremental approach that the mayor is taking is somehow better, in your view, than. The overall, right? Just take the chopper, chopping block uh, out, and let's get rid of this thing that is is really. I have started to call it a scourge uh, mm-hmm. in in the city. Why why choose the smaller solution over the bigger one? I guess is the question. Sure. So, I guess there's there's two ways of interpreting what it would mean to you know eliminate property taxes. So one is eliminating this the portion of property taxes that, that the, the city, city controls, has, right? right? You couldn't do anything about the schools, exactly, for instance, right. or the library. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people who exact taxes on on property in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so yeah, the, the portion that the city controls, if you're just eliminating those twenty nine or so mills, um you would deliver similar benefits to homeowners, you know, commercial property owners that the the current land value tax proposal provides, which cuts those mills by about 14. But then you're also delivering an enormous benefit to speculators, right? It's, it's, it's already inexpensive for speculators to hold um, land across the city. Uh, it would become even less it would expensive. Be free, basically, right? Yeah, exactly. From a government be, perspective. Yeah. And, and across Detroit, what, you know, what, what I see is, um, 
around 35 to 40% of privately owned vacant lots are owned outside the city um, or or by um, speculator, known speculators with Detroit mailing addresses. This, this data is based on tax bill mailing addresses. Mm-hmm. Um, so about 35 to 40% of privately owned vacant lots are owned by what you would call speculators. Um, and then there's another 10 to 15,000 vacant homes um, that are owned outside the city uh, as well. And so all of those owners who already feel very little pressure from the property tax system to do anything productive would feel even less pressure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to continue this really great, informative conversation with uh, Alex Alsup about property taxes here in the city of Detroit. And we are going to get to you. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. talking about property taxes in the city of Detroit today, and we've got Alex Alsop with us. Uh, we want to hear from you during this conversation as well. We've got an awful lot of people who want to talk about uh, property taxes in the city. It's not a terrible surprise. Uh, we'll get to as many as we can. Let's start with Sarita in Detroit. Sarita, welcome to the show. Good morning, Stephen. Hey, how are you? I'm well, and I just wanted to comment. I agree with the statement that you made about not being really uh, sure that this is going to um, do what it's supposed to do. And so I was the first city attorney assigned to the Department of Administrative Hearings. And I will say that speculators always found a way to avoid responsibility. And it was extremely frustrating. And so why I share the, I share the concern of so many other Detroiters that we want speculators to pay their fair share I'm not convinced that this is going to do that. Hmm. So, Sarita, um, before I go back to Alex, tell me what you think might fix that problem. I mean, I agree with you that there there are all kinds of ways that that people can avoid uh, oversight or or authority in the city of Detroit. What what should what should we be doing about that? You know, that's really tough because, I mean, you know, speaking legally, mm-hmm. you can flip ownership really easily. And that, and if you have the ability and the means to do so. Um, and what should have happened is, honestly, we should have stopped the floodgate of just kind of selling property. And we know we've had many conversations people have about the auctions and, and what it did. Mm-hmm. So definitely that. But at this point now, it's really finding out the ways that you get the actual owners, but it may just be also putting the time limit on things that you can only hold property for so long. And if you don't, if you don't do the development, and again, you know, you're talking to a community development person. So I'm very, you know, sensitive to those community developers and it takes a long time yes. to do development. So I'm still working on it too. I'll be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. No, I mean, there are not, there's not a lot of easy solutions to any of this. And, and this is why we are still in the position uh, that we're in. It's it's that, uh, as I said in the open, uh, every proposal you might come up with bumps up against uh, the, the constraints of, of, of all of this. One being the, the need to generate revenue itself, but but then all of these other kinds of things that uh, that that make that make these ideas maybe not uh, as efficient as they could be. Uh, Alex, I'm wondering what your reaction is to what Sarita's talking about here. 
it's you know it's a, it's a great point, and I'm really glad that Sarita made mentioned the point about we shouldn't have opened these floodgates in the first place. That's absolutely correct. The tax foreclosure auctions are by far the single greatest conveyor of property into the hands of speculators. And, you know, as much as I agree with uh, the direction, if not the extent of the land value tax proposal, I would like to see it go farther than it does. I mean, the fact that these speculators have all this property is a result of the inability um, or unwillingness or whatever it was um, of, of the city to not do more to stop the tax foreclosure auctions in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, in a, we're in a situation that is the product of that. Um, and so th- I think this is, this is an important step for the future of the city and also for hopefully unwinding some of that issue. But let's like be pretty clear about how we got here. Yeah. Um, you know, bad the, policy. A, I mean, yeah, a, absolutely. Um, and, and so yeah, I, I think one thing that, that it works in favor of a land value tax is that property taxes are fairly difficult to escape. Um, so, you know, I think, again, I'd like to see the land value tax go farther. I think it would do more if it did. Um, but property taxes are harder than a maybe a blight ticket, something mm-hmm. like that, right, mm-hmm. which can be pretty easy to ignore. One other thing that I think is really important to mention here that, that um, to Sarita's point as well is that speculators are very adept at paying as little in property taxes as they can. They can't escape them altogether, but they're very adept at gaming the Wayne County Treasurer's payment plans and paying as little as they possibly can for as long as they possibly can while continuing to hold on to property. One of the things that the city is going to need to work very diligently on with the Wayne County Treasurer's office is making sure that they can compel payment from speculators and that we do not see a continuation of speculators just, you know, getting into payment plans and paying as little as they can um, as a as a way to uh, avoid um, the uh, their new tax bills. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarita, really appreciate the call and the uh, the example. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go next to Daniel in Detroit. Daniel. What's on your mind? Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I'm a long life resident of the city of Detroit, born and raised. And um, you started the show with talking about uh, just not even getting adequate city services. And that's been sort of my issue. And so, um, you know, once I kind of grew up, went off to New York, came back, my, my mother ended up purchasing houses on either side of her. So we have three houses in a row. So, um, that she got when Detroit went through its bankruptcy and so purchased these houses at really great prices. Yeah. Um, and we've fixed these houses up to be amazing houses. And when people come over to my house, they're always amazed. Like your house is in Detroit. I mean, like <laughs> it looks so nice. But when it comes down to city services, like, I mean, it sucks. Like, I can't get a police officer when I can't, when I can't, when I, when I need one. I mean, I, and I know this comment is going to sound really egregious, but uh, I, I had an incident, kept calling the police. They wouldn't come. I said, listen, listen, I pay my taxes. Whoever you're going to go help, probably don't. You need to come help me. <laughs> no. um, additionally, like, I mean, just like, 
this city kind of half steps at every step uh, in the process. I really like they last week they tore up our street. They didn't finish it, and they did. They only gave half of the houses ramps to get up in their driveways, and so my new car is now getting you know wear and tear. I just I'll, I'll say as a as a resident, I love I love the city, but as a resident, I feel like a second class citizen, and I definitely don't feel respected. Wow. Wow, David. I really, I really just want to get my money's worth yeah. for what I paid. Yeah, David. I, you know, I, listen. I, I'm really glad you called because uh, I think that is the kind of sentiment that a lot of Detroiters have about the city that we live in, and look, the city that that we love. I mean, no, no question. Somebody who buys not just one house but three houses. Uh, in the city and tries to fix them up is is really dedicated to the idea that this should be a better place. We don't always feel like we get the help we should from from the government. Uh, Alex, I guess my question behind David's comments is whether what we're talking about here, this split value tax, ultimately makes it easier for the city to improve service delivery. I mean, again, every solution can't solve every problem. And I think it's an unrealistic expectation to put on every solution. But that is for Detroiters like David, this is the this is everything, right? Uh, the services you get uh, when you live here aren't aren't always up to the standard that, that we, we need them to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to you know, imply or say that like land value tax is some kind of panacea that's going to solve every problem. I think to the extent that, to my mind, there's there's benefit here for city services, it comes back to that idea that people like David are disproportionately carrying the burden of the cost of those city services as a result of our property tax system. Um, you know, it's it, come back to that idea that that the 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 vacant houses and vacant lots are are just carrying a lower um, portion of the of the cost and and burden for those for those services. Certainly, if we see more productive land use and there's there's more revenue, that would bode well, I think, for for city services. But I, I don't want to I don't want to say that you know land value tax is going to make all the city services better. I, I I'm not. I'm not confident enough in in saying something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. Uh, let's go next to Daniel in Southfield. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, Stephen, a pleasure again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember I grew up in Detroit in the Grandmont area, and I remember everybody owning their home. And, you know, families being members of our parishes and stuff. And I guess my problem is I don't understand what happened, how this got destroyed, how everything turned into rentals and, you know, what happened? Yeah. Well, Daniel, I mean, it's a very long story, but, um, you know, it starts with deindustrialization. It starts with uh, the fight over desegregation and the, the reaction to desegregation in Detroit and the disinvestment that followed in the city, uh, the, the opportunities that weren't extended to everybody uh, to be able to, to own a home and, and 
have a, a neighborhood that's that's intact. Uh, uh, racism, of course, plays a huge role in in that story. And then, of course, there were all kinds of terrible decisions made from a policy standpoint about how we were going to deal with the decline of the city. I mean, I, I, I absolutely share the lament that you have. I grew up in the city in the 70s and 80s, a little later maybe than, than, than you did. And even then, in the midst of all of this, the city was a different place than it is now. It was more intact. And I think the, 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 the one thing we can all agree on is that people are more focused now on trying to get us back to that, to that place. The question is, is how, uh, Alex, I wonder if you have a reaction to, to, to Daniel's question there. I, I would certainly include the last 10 years of tax foreclosure Absolutely. in that as well. 100,000 you know? tax foreclosures. Yep. I mean, it's a staggering uh, yep. number. Of, of, which, of which around 30,000 were owner-occupied homes. And of those 30,000 or so owner-occupied homes, we know that probably 80 to 90% would have qualified for the city of Detroit's 100% property tax exemption, which means that they were losing their homes for property taxes that they shouldn't have had to pay in the first place. Wow. And that's, you know, that's one thing, I think, to, to this, the city council point about eliminating property taxes. One thing that city council does have extraordinary control over is that property tax exemption for low-income Detroit yes. homeowners. Yes, that is that that has gotten much easier. We've gone from you know thirty-five hundred to four thousand exemptions a year in the middle of the last decade to last year close to twenty thousand exemptions. That's still probably only half of the eligible the homeowners. Eligible ones, yeah. And so I think one thing that I would certainly encourage city council to look at is their extensive control over the property tax exemption application process and how to make sure that that gets to more of the Detroit homeowners who qualify for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Alex Alsup, uh, always great to see you. And of course, have these conversations. Great that you were here to have that conversation with our listeners today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our assistant producer is Maddie Boyer. Our music is by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. And podcast editing is by David Lyons. Our program director is Adam Fox. Detroit Today is a production of WDET in Detroit. And you can support the show by leaving a rating or a comment. Thanks for listening.